we're uh, beginning a series today um, for the next couple weeks that looks at how we sometimes are, are lost in life and really how do we find direction in this wrecked world that it seems like we're in at times. Uh, first service, when I looked out the window, it looked like the front of our program. I mean, it was like waves were coming and I thought we were going to crash into something. Uh, it's clearing up a little bit, but you know, the weather this morning, uh, sometimes in our lives that really describes how we, we feel about life. Uh, the storms are coming and we, we wonder, how are we going to be rescued from the storm that we're in? And uh, the song that, that Ben just sang is really a, a song about a search for meaning. And it's called The Riddle. And there's this idea of, well, what, why are we here? And the conclusion that they come to, at least a little bit, is, well, it's something about you and I. Because I'm here and you're here. And so there's got to be some meaning in that. What you find is we, we all have that same uh, need in our souls and in our hearts to figure out why are we here? Um, what's the reason for you and what's the reason for me? And throughout time, people have been trying to answer those questions. And you see, when you, when you come to follow God, you realize that it's not so much a riddle, but you actually find hope in a relationship with him. Uh, we're going to look at really how God created the beginning of time, how he created relationships to work and to provide a little clarity on the fact that we don't have to be lost. Uh, no matter what we're going through, we actually have help if we choose to follow God and surrender to him. Uh, if you have your outline, you can follow along. Uh, there's pens in front of you. Feel free to, to, to mark notes or not, whatever you're comfortable with. Uh, we're going to dig in. Like I said, at the beginning of the, the creation account, Genesis is the first uh, book in the Bible where we find really how God began the world, how he started everything to happen. Uh, we're going to pick it up in Genesis 2. In Genesis 1, we find that a few things about God. Uh, first thing is he, he is the creator and he's the initiator of life and being. Really, in him began everything. Uh, we can't quite figure out when God started, because he's always been. And in the creation account, we find that there's this big God who decided to bring about the world, and he created it in such a way that man could, could live and sustain here on earth. And he chose every single one of us to be here this morning. And in Genesis 1, he chose Adam as the first man. And uh, so what we find is, is God is the initiator, he's the creator and what he did, especially with Adam, that he didn't do with any of his other creation, he created man in his image. So what you find as you dig into the first chapter of Scripture is that he created us in our image and we have value because of that. We have value and we matter to God because he decided out of everything he created that we would be created in his image. There would be a special relationship between God and us. So if we have any hope in this world, it begins with a relationship with God. It cannot be found anywhere else in the whole world, no matter what pursuit we have. Unless God is the center of our lives, we, we can't really find direction. And our lives just are swayed around by the storms that we face. See, in Genesis 2, we find a little bit more of this relationship that, that God has created with Adam. And it's, it's really neat. Let's, let's dig in. Uh, Genesis 2, 8 and 9. 
Now, the Lord God had planted a garden in the east in Eden, and there he put the man he had formed. And the Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So you may have heard this before about Eden, but we've we got to really get back to the, this idea of this place is, is paradise. OK, if you've been to Hawaii, that, that seems like paradise to me. You know, you land and you're like, this is better than the movies. A few places you go, it's actually better in person. Hawaii is one of those. Well, Eden is like far superior to Hawaii. Okay, you know, I could imagine you get there and you just Adam was just spread his arms. Oh, he's just experiencing all that God has created. And that that's Eden, this paradise that he's in. And what you find is, is that God, you know, planted this stuff. And Adam, this is for you. You need to take care of it. Um, So he's he's in these lush surroundings. Um, in verses 11 or 10 through 14, uh, it goes on to describe the setting and the location of Eden. It's really important that the reader understand just that this is paradise. That there is nothing in the world that compared to Eden. This, this was it. You know, picture the best place you've ever been and multiply that by a million. That's, that's Eden. This beautiful paradise. Uh, in verse 15, we find that God gave Adam some specific instructions to deal with this paradise. He says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. Let's stop right there. I I thought about this. You know, if this is paradise, there's probably not that many weeds. So he's taking care of it. But even that, it's probably pretty easy. You know, maybe cutting a few coconuts here and there, you know, building the fire. But kind of stuff took care of itself. But he's, he's put in... He's the manager of paradise. Could you imagine that on your business card? He's Adam. I manage paradise. Call me. Uh, so took, he took care of it. And the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. There's a lot of trees. This is paradise. It's lush. Trees, as far as I can see. You can eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely die. So it's kind of like, this is all yours except for that one tree right there. So, you know, Adam's thinking, okay, this is great. I've been given this beautiful place, this privilege of enjoying this. God gives me a little bit of responsibility. You know, I need to take care of paradise, make sure it still looks good for the postcard. Okay. And then he tells him, but there's some boundaries. So even there, God, God is really being a gracious God to Adam. Because what happens is in life, we, we do need boundaries. There's safety in that. We know where we can go and where we can't go. And so what God's done is he's provided them, provided Adam with a job to do, privilege of enjoying it, and then a boundary. You know, don't eat from that tree. And that, that's really the relationship that's set. And that's, that's what we find throughout Scripture and what God does with us now. He gives us privilege. He gives us responsibility. And there's accountability. And God is relating to Adam in a real personal way. So have that in your head, just this beautiful paradise. For me, I'm not much of like a a palm tree nature guy. So for me, it's like my paradise, it's like there's big screens everywhere. Leather couch. It's peaceful. I mean, it's it's the perfect paradise. And Adam is, is able to enjoy it. But 
you find as you, you go to the next verse that something was missing. And this is very important because in this one verse you find the heart of God for us. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. The reason that's interesting is all throughout Genesis, everything the Lord had made, it was good. He created it. It was good. From the oceans to the skies, to the trees, to the plants, it was good. And the first time the Lord said something was not good, it was because Adam was alone. That word alone in Hebrew, in the original uh, language there, Hebrew was uh, what the, the Old Testament was written in. Alone is, is this idea of separated or disconnected, like a, like a branch from a tree. So he sees this person that he's, he's made in Adam and he says, it's not good for you to be separated, disconnected. It's not good. It's the first time we see that, that God is valuing this idea of Adam not being alone. Um, what can we find from this paradise setting, which Adam had everything he wanted in the world? We can find a key truth, and that's we don't have to be alone. In all the goodness and all that God had created, it still was incomplete until God provided somebody uh, for Adam. And this idea of he wanted to, to create a suitable helper, somebody that could come alongside him and manage paradise, experience the world with someone else. So that's what that song was getting at. There's, just, there's something about being connected that can help us in life. And God wants to connect us to him and to with each other. And that, that you find is really where we find joy. So we don't have to be alone. And second, we were created to be in community. Right now, gathering as a church, being with each other, when we encourage, when we challenge, we are fulfilling God's purpose for us. It's a little piece. Being in community with one another is exactly what he created with Adam and Eve. And Randy just finished a series talking about the difference between men and women and the roles that they play. What you find is, in Adam and Eve, not only do you have boundaries and direction for marriage, but it also allows us to see how God's heart is for people to be connected to each other, not just at a, a spousal level, but in community with people of different ages, ethnicities, backgrounds, pasts, and they come together and he uses them to accomplish his mission. You find this from the very beginning. Um, I'm going to share a, a, a scripture um, that I asked my wife, who was my girlfriend 10 years ago. When I, you know, I thought, well, I don't want to be alone the rest of my life. And uh, I came across a scripture that, that really challenged me. And I was dealing with this my freshman year of college, this idea of community. And when I asked my, my girlfriend... Or she wasn't my girlfriend yet because she hadn't said yes. When I asked my wife, who was going to be my girlfriend, you guys don't care about the details, but just a story here. Um, I, I shared a passage that I think describes the importance of having each other in life. Because here's what I was thinking. Frankly, I wanted a girlfriend. Not going to lie, I wanted a girlfriend. I, you know, I was thinking, I don't want to be alone, you know, and and. Back then, I, I took her up to Mount Rubido in Riverside. You guys have been to Riverside? Well, the one hill in Riverside? 
cross up there, you know. And uh, I, I asked her to be my girlfriend, and I, I read the scripture. And I, I kind of knew a little bit of, of what I was talking about then. <laughs> uh, but looking back, I, I see that this is really God's design for Christian community. And let me share this with you. It says, two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. See, I was setting it up. You know, what if I fall? I need you. Um, also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And what the writer is saying here is, is there's strength that you have with other people. One of the cores of following God is that you can move from isolation and do life with other people. That's very appealing to me. And that's one of the biggest benefits I've seen as I've, I've walked with God and as I've grown in him is, is realizing that I do not have to be alone. Not only is God with me wherever I go, whatever I do, but there are people that will come alongside me and help me. And we all are looking for that. We can find it as we pursue God. Uh, this, this passage in Ecclesiastes really describes the helper that, that God was saying he would provide in Eve. You know, if, if you're cold, you need someone to warm you up. If you fall down, you need someone to pick you up, brush you off, and tell you to keep going. There's some other examples of helpers throughout the Bible. Because you see that God, at times when people were just facing challenge, when they weren't sure they were going to make it, when the sky was falling down on them, he provided them people. I'm going to give you just a few examples just to see how God does this across the board. Um, these people that I'm going to explain, their, their names actually are uh, derived from a Hebrew, the Hebrew word for helper. Uh, the first person is Ezra, which means the Lord helps. Uh, Ezra was a priest, and he came along, alongside Nehemiah. In the midst of challenge, he, he was counseled to him, he helped him. And God used Ezra in a real way in Nehemiah's life. Uh, Azareel, that means God has helped. This was another uh, man. This guy was a, a warrior who came alongside David in a battle. You know, when you're in a battle, this was a, a real battle, life and death on the line. This person, Azareel, came by David and said, I will fight with you. Your fight will be my fight. I will fight with you. Um, Third is Azariah. That means the Lord has helped. Uh, you may know his name. Azariah is his Hebrew name, but he also goes by Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Came alongside Daniel and was thrown with these two other guys into a fiery furnace because of what he stood for. And so just in those three, you get this picture of what a helper is. In the midst of battle, in the midst of the heat, in the midst of the problems that we face, God provides people. To help you. He does, he's done that years ago. And he does that today. Um, and what, what I found is. Is I just. I can't do it alone. There are a lot of times when I want to do it alone. I want to isolate myself. Or just kind of do things my own way. But what you find is. Isolation. Actually causes real consequences. In our lives. We're going to look at those. Uh, first is. Uh, a loss of perspective. If, if you're disconnected from people, 
the highs are really high. You know, something goes good and it's like the best thing ever. And then the lows are really low. Something bad happens in your life and you think it's over. You ever had that? Something just terrible happens and it's just been one of those days and all you have is your mind the whole day. Well, it's over. Oh my, what am I going to do? I, I don't have any help. I, I'm, I'm so alone. And then like a friend calls you up and says, well, have you thought about this? I'm not alone. My life's not over. And they provide perspective. But without people, without people that can give you helpful and godly input, we're, we're just this extreme of it's really good or it's really bad. We have a lost perspective. The second is we have a fear of, of intimacy. If, you know, I've never had a close friendship. There's, there's something about being close to somebody that is fearful. What happens when you're, you're, you have a fear of intimacy, you're just not quite sure as the person gets to know you that they're going to really hang in there with you. You know, if they know me, what if they, they just don't like me? What if we just don't see eye to eye and there's this, this idea of you just kind of keep going further back from people. You're disconnected and you're, you're just fearful of being close. And you build walls up. What you find is the more walls you build up and the more fearful you are, the less intimate, the less intimate. And before you know it, you, you do feel all alone. Uh, third is, is selfishness. Now, this kind of makes sense because if you're all alone, your priorities are really good. Because you're the only priorities you have. Your schedule is the greatest schedule ever. What's important to you, that's the only thing that counts. Because there's no one else that has anything that they need to do either. What you find is you, you, you kind of find how selfish you are when you have kids. Because, you know, kids come into the world, they're thinking, I am the world. I am the people. Is that so? um, and, and what you find is, is when you get in that relationship with the kid and, and their schedule is the most important and their, their goals are the most important, you kind of, at least for myself, I find myself thinking, wait a second, I have a schedule too. I have priorities. But when you're all alone, you have nothing to bounce anything off. You just, what you want to do is what you want to do. And you just become so inwardly focused that life is all about you. Uh, last thing is, is isolation can actually cause poor health. There's been research on this. How when you are alone, your, your health declines faster. Um, there's a doctor, Dr. Charnetsky, that for years did some research on how health and friendship and social network are connected. And he says this, uh, chronic loneliness experienced by millions can actually be a health risk. The absence of friends is associated with higher instances of illness and a great likelihood for death. However, loving and living within a social network of friends and family improves your health and your chances of recovering from illness. You know, I see this in, in my daughter. If she gets a boo-boo and I kiss it, it's all better. And that's kind of how we are as adults. If, if we're experiencing something terrible in our lives, whether we're sick emotionally or spiritually or physically, when we have people come alongside and help us and encourage and want to serve us, doesn't that just make you feel like people care? People love you? That helps you actually get 
better faster. And so community and biblical community specifically goes against the grain of, of what isolation can cause. And that's what we find as we connect with God and he connects us with people who can help us and challenge us. We actually experience a better life. And this is just in God's infinite wisdom, how he wanted to design things so we could be connected uh, to people. Uh, it goes on later in, in Genesis uh, as we continue that, that, you know, God saw that there was a problem, that there was no helper for, for Adam. And so he decided to do something about it. And what we find from this, this passage that I'm going to read is that God provides the right people at the right time to help us. He did that with those characters I read about. And he did that with Eve for Adam. And in verse 20, it says, But for Adam no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. This is kind of one of those crazy passages to me. Because, you know, Adam, you know, you can kind of see him. He's experiencing all this just beautiful creation around him. He's got responsibility. You know, he's kind of like just kicking the rocks. Well, I guess I'll talk to myself. The animals don't understand me. You know, trees don't talk. And just, thanks God. You know, God sees, wait a second, there's a problem here. You're disconnected. Let me do something. And then Adam's out. You know, I would love to have seen that first picture when Adam wakes up. And all of a sudden, there's someone that's there that's not been there. In fact, as you read further in chapter 2, it's actually pretty amazing. Because the first time in Scripture, poetry is quoted. You know, Adam looks at Eve and he, and he speaks. And he's saying, you know, you are, you are flesh of my flesh. And he's, he's, he's spouting poetry. Isn't that amazing? I mean, he's not speaking poetry to the animals. But he sees this human that he can connect with, and he's overwhelmed. And it's even more than just how God provides us spouses, but, but he knows the need that we have to be connected to other people. He did that in the Garden of Eden, in the midst of paradise, and he does it today. Sometimes in this world where we wonder how we're going to make it. And so community is where we find hope um, if you've if you've been experiencing just this isolation or you need to be connected pray that god will provide people in your life to help you uh, they could be people here church in the valley where you live but god will provide people in your life if you ask him uh, if you've not connected to god before and have a relationship with him it really does begin there he is the one that provides for us. Uh, so let us know on your connection card if you'd like to know how to begin a relationship with Jesus. And we'd like to help you with that. What I found is there's, there's no other substitute in all of life than to connect with God and watch him as you connect with others. He brings people in your life that will help you. I know that in my own life, as I've experienced crossroads and pain and even joy, have people come alongside me that pick me up, brush me off, say, keep on going. Those are the people that have allowed me to, to continue 
experience blessing in this life. And that's from the hand of God. Uh, there's some next steps that, that you can take this week if you're looking to how to apply how to be in community. Um, first thing is you can thank God for the people he's placed in your life. When you thank God, you're, you're just letting him know, you know, God, I know that you provided this person and thank you for doing that. And he's honored by that. A second is show appreciation to someone God has used to help you. You know, there's people in my life that have helped me repeatedly and repeatedly, and I need to honor those people by just thanking them for what they've done. If you're not sure what to say, thank you for being there. And they know. So think about maybe a person or two in your own life. Uh, The next is attend the next vantage point in your area. Uh, We have vantage point in the, the... the St. Gabriel area and here in Diamond Bar, um, there's a flyers out in the floor if you'd like more information. It's a good opportunity to, to get around people outside of Sunday morning. Sometimes, you know, we come and we rush and we leave. Um, if you're looking to just get to know people a little better, I encourage you, you can attend a vantage point. Um, fourth, ask God to show you any areas in your life where you're isolated. Is there certain parts of your life where you just are trying to do it alone? And you're feeling the pressure kind of mount on you. Ask God to show you those areas and to see how you can get input from other people. Uh, last, uh, memorize Ecclesiastes 4, uh, 9 through 10. as just the reminder that really me being by myself is not the answer uh, to life. In closing, I'd like to, to read something. I asked Randy if this would be okay. Uh, somebody wrote a poem at Marie's funeral on Friday that I think describes the importance of doing life with other people. Um, This was the best illustration I could think of because it just nails the importance of community. So I'm going to try to get through this here. When we first moved to Southgate, so lonely and blue, two babies, no friends, we didn't know what to do. You were there. I needed a babysitter in the very worst way. I knew no one. What can I say? You were there. When I needed a friend for any reason at all, to talk or laugh or even just ball, you were there. I'll never forget the good times we had too, decorating cakes, ball games, and bowling, to name a few. You were there. Many hours we spent in the First Southern Baptist Church of Southgate, people coming and going, too many to relate. You were there. We helped raise each other kids such as they are. However, I've seen a lot of others turn out worse by far. You were there. When our daughter was missing, I thought I'd die, too scared to think or even to cry. You were there. When one of our kids made it big in any way, we needed someone there for the big day. You were there. We made it through weddings, quite a few. Jim Shirley, Randy, Dusty, Sids, and Shirley, several too. You were there. How we got Shirley and Shirley raised, I'll never know. There for a long while, it was touch and go. You were there. When magic fell in the pool and drowned one day, no one could be easy, no way could be easy to tell John or Ray. You were there. Anytime we needed a special occasion cake, what I didn't know how or have time to bake, you were there. When we lost our precious Cindy Ray, I did not think you'd made it through the day. 
you were there. I'll never forget when Cindy was very small, the patience you had when she climbed up your cupboard and walls. She called you Papa, and even she was a handful and a half. When I needed a sitter, you just say sure and laugh. You were there. I took over Randy as though he were mine. I accepted compliments on him all the time, even if you were there. I never could have made it through this life with all its turmoils and so much strife if you were not there. We have a long road to to hoe ahead, to look forward and not to dread. You will be there. Don't think you get off the hook. You have to help finish the book. You must be there. That is what what it's about. Allowing God to place you where he's placed you and give people in your life that you can be there for. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that you are there for us. Uh, You have initiated with us. We are here because you've determined that we are here. You care about us enough to want us to have people to enjoy life with. Thank you that you care about us in an intimate way. God, I just ask that as we try to do things alone, and when we just feel isolated and disconnected, God, that you will draw us to yourself and bring us people in our life that can challenge us, encourage us, and people that we can do the same to as well. We thank you, God, for how you provide again and again to meet every need that we have. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.